This Week in Startups is brought to you by Carta. Simplify how you manage equity with Carta. To get Carta's cap table software plus a free 409A valuation, go to carta.com slash twist. Skillshare. Join the millions of students learning on Skillshare today. Get two months for just 99 cents. Go to skillshare.com slash twist. And Breather. Workspaces and offices designed for growing companies. Visit breather.com slash twist and experience Breather for yourself with a free full day booking. Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis, and this is the podcast where we talk to founders about their startups. Pretty simple. This Week in Startups, we do it twice a week. We've done so for almost 10 years. Next year will be the 10-year anniversary, and we're going to have some sort of a party, and you're invited. My guest today is Seth Sternberg. I met Seth when we were both... Uh, in Sequoia's portfolio, him with yeah. Mebo, me with Mahalo. Uh, he was acquired by Google. We pivoted into inside.com and still running strong. And he spent a couple of years inside the Google Plex, working on the Google Plus platform. We'll hear about that debacle slash inspiring <laughs> time. Uh, but since then, uh, back in 2014, he, inv- he started a company called Honor, uh, which is in the home care space, the caregiver space. And I also made an investment in that space in Home Hero, a company that then wound mm-hmm. up getting sold. Um, and they couldn't figure it out exactly. But Seth, I believe you did figure it out. I think we're doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Yeah. Explain to people what Honor is. You can go check out joinhonor.com and their Honor on Twitter. But explain to us what Honor is, why you founded it, and then we'll get into how it's going. Yeah. So uh, it's funny. And welcome back to the pod. Oh, well, thank you. It's been Because you were on in the first 50 episodes or 100 episodes. We'll have to do a little research. Super early. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Why did I do honor? So uh, I wanted to do something where I could look a human in the eye and know I would make their life fundamentally better. Okay. And I didn't want to work on anything else. And neither did my co-founders. And so. So you're looking for a business to start that had something real to it had to be a business um because we wanted it to be self-sustaining so Mm -hmm. we wanted to kind of find a big world problem that was about making people's lives better but have it be a business because then it would self-sustain it could get better over time you could innovate on it um so we spent a year and a half kind of going through different areas and we couldn't find anything huh really hard like we had a bunch of other requirements um and what were those other requirements it so, could be a billion dollar business. Yeah, or... actually relevant to this audience. So I think every startup like exists on a spectrum between execution risk, like very hard to build or you know, super easy and market risk. Like if I build it, you know, will people come? Got it. And so a startup that's like heavy execution risk is good for a multi-time founder, which we were not so good for a first time founder. Right. So high execution, high risk. execution risk. So electric like, cars. Electric cars. Yeah. It's like there's certain categories where you, there's no market risk whatsoever. Like elder care, turns out, right? There's no market risk whatsoever. Like there's a $30 billion industry where people get care in their homes. The demand is there. Mm. But the current state of the industry is pretty bad. The current product is pretty bad. If you can make it a lot better, people will come. The thing is, is it's a really, really hard product to launch successfully and deliver well to people at scale. In fact, it's never been done before. So you wanted to have a market that you knew you were guaranteed to be there. Guaranteed demand. Like demand is just there, but oh people my God, People are getting so old hard. and living people longer. People are getting, I mean, like 10,000 people every day turn 65 in wow. this country. Wow. 
right? So there are 45 million people over the age of 65 today. In 25 years, they're going to be 80 million people over the age of 65. People over the age of 80 are going to triple in that time period from about 10 million to 30 million. So just like Japan, and actually it turns out Italy and Germany and most of Northern Europe, we are an aging society. And the thing is, is so I, so I came on this kind of like, what are we going to do about my mom? Because I visited the, way, the the year and a half in of like brainstorming ended basically when I visited my mother in Connecticut and she picked me up at the airport and she was just driving slowly on her when she was driving me home. And I was like, hey, mom, why are you driving so slowly? So, well, driving's harder than it used to be. And I was like, Ooh, that's scary. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> and she's 65? She's 65 at that yeah. point. Yeah. Now you live in Connecticut. I live in California. Five years from now, that could be a problem. Yeah. So that's how we kind of got on this, you know, the notion of, hmm, what are we going to do about our parents? Um, and then you realize just there's very little innovation. There's very little investment in products and services for the elderly. And then we narrowed it down to let's help you know, our parents stay in their homes because it turns out when people are pulled, this is not surprising, 90% of people want to stay in their homes as they age, of course. Yeah. Right? Like, duh. Why would you want Why to would you, yeah. go somewhere to die that's you, you really different don't than where you're home. home? Yeah, no. you want to be in your home. It's familiar. And it, there's actually a fair amount of research that shows people do better when they stay in their home. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Huh, so people want to stay in their homes. Really hard to do. And you find, you know, when we kind of said, okay, well, how will we solve this problem? We looked at everything. We looked at devices, hardware, services, software. We didn't care what the solution was. Um, and then when we found home care, we kind of hit it because it was a very large industry, but very fragmented. The product was really uneven across the country. And we felt like we could make home care really great. And we felt like that was a good place to start. Like you could do great in home care, build a really large business right? But you're in the average home for 35 to 40 hours a week. So if you solve home care, Hmm. you actually can solve a lot more around caring for people's parents. And that was also just super attractive to us, that that it could be a company that could last decades. It's really interesting how considered you were in starting your next project. A year and a half of wandering in the wilderness, triangulating around these vectors of we don't mind if it's hard to execute because that makes it defensible. That's right. And we've been there before. We've gotten our asses kicked. That's right. Kicked a little bit of ass too, yeah. I'm sure. Um, but let's not try to determine if there's a market for social networks. We can't. So yeah. here's the thing. It's out of our control. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, as a, as a multi-time entrepreneur, I don't think I have any advantage against kind of a ton of other entrepreneurs kind of guessing at if a market exists. Mm. But as a multi-time entrepreneur, I do have an advantage around putting together a team really fast, raising money quickly, knowing how to hire, right? So if you put a multi-time entrepreneur against a really hard problem, I think you have a little bit of an advantage there. And so I'd kind of argue first-time entrepreneurs are probably better off on kind of the market risk side. Multi-time entrepreneurs are better off on kind of the execution risk side. And, And look at it like, you know, Square, execution risk, Uber execution risk, right? When you go down the list, you'll actually find that naturally this happens where the multi-time entrepreneurs are actually attracted to the execution risk ones. Mm. And the first-time entrepreneurs, Facebook, Twitter, yeah. go go to the um, Microsoft ones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Microsoft was pretty clearly like, we don't know if PCs on everybody's no desk is going to work. That's right. 
Uh, and here's the thing. You don't, for your audience, because I think it's relevant to people who care about startups, I would argue people should not do startups that have a lot of both kinds of risk. So if there's a spectrum, uh, you want to be within like 20% on either side. You do not want to be in kind of the middle 60% because you and I both know you're doing a startup, things go wrong all the time, right? Yeah. Like for some reason, you're not growing. And if you're doing a startup that has both kinds of risk, you have no idea why mm. it's not working. Like, is it no one cares? Or did you build the wrong thing? Right. You don't know? Yeah. Am I executing poorly? Right. And people just don't. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. it's pizza. Yeah. We pretty well established right. people like pizza. People like it. Exactly. So just execute on a pretty goddamn That's delicious it. pizza and we'll be fine. That's but if it. you're like, I think people are going to like this new type of food. It's yep. a, I'm trying to think of what the food analogy would be, but. Sushi before it was here in America. Sure. Like, yeah, I'm going to try to make sushi. It's like... Mm. Yeah. And actually, sushi is very high execution risk too, right? Like yeah. Like, when it was introduced <laughs> into America, <laughs> you yeah. actually add both kinds. So, yeah, I just think people should do on the ends. And then I should... I think they should recognize what they're better at. What yeah. they're better suited for. And, and which uncertainty they want to confront every day. That's right. Like, it's kind of a bummer to build this amazing, beautiful palace that nobody wants to live in. Yep. You know, I was like, oh. Yeah. We, all right. You have to be prepared to kill those things quickly. Yeah, which is so hard for a young founder to do. Very hard to do. You get so attached to it. You're like, oh yeah. my God, I built this beautiful, like amazing temple. And you're like, yeah, yeah in the middle of a desert and nobody right. wants to come here. That's right. It's no direct flights. Yep. Tear it down, knock it down. All right, when we get back from this quick break, <laughs> I want to know exactly what the product is and how you got this foothold, because I do know that, you know, home care obviously has got many different facets, but it's also highly regulated. And I've got some scar tissue myself watching one of my portfolio companies not work. So I want to get into what on the execution side did work for you yeah. and how you reached this level of scale when we get back on This Week in Startups. Speaking of investors and speaking about cap tables, everybody knows that Silicon Valley wealth comes from equity, not salary. I mean, people are well paid, but if you want to hit the home run, it's going to come from equity. And that data is tracked on something called a cap table. But cap tables, we all know, are broken. Many of them are wrong. I would say maybe one out of three times I review a cap table with our attorneys, we have a different view of that cap table than other people. Uh, and people use spreadsheets and paper certificates and all this nonsense it leads to massive amounts of inaccuracy. But Carta fixes cap tables and equity management. Over 10,000 companies and VC firms, people like Slack, Coinbase, Flexport, August Capital, and myself at launch manage hundreds of billions of dollars in equity on Carta. As an investor, we are always glad to see our companies using Carta because we can request a cap table and the closing documents directly through the, through the platform. And it creates great transparency and the year-end audit for us runs much smoother. We save about an hour a company if they're using Carta. Uh, it forces founders also to become organized and really understand this important information. There's no risk of losing paper stock certificates. So here is your call to action. Go ahead and get Carta by going to carta.com slash twist and they will uh, give you their great cap table software plus a free 409A valuation. If you don't know what a 409A valuation is, you haven't started your company yet and had to deal with this. So go ahead and visit carta.com slash twist. We use it. We love it. It's awesome. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Jason Calacanis. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jason. You can follow my guest, Seth Sternberg, at Seth J.S. J, middle name. Jason. 
No. Yes. No idea. Totally. Wow, fantastic. You ever totally. think about dropping the Seth and going just straight Jason? <laughs> I know. It's, I just let you know. It's pretty great. I mean, like, you know, Seth's pretty rare, and Jason's actually reasonably rare, too. It's pretty it's, reasonably it's, rare. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. You know, I like the rare. Long tail names. Yeah, yeah if you we were both wanna... named Jason, it'd be a little weird right now. It would. I, I concur wholeheartedly. Yeah, same uh, if we were both Seth. It's just, you know, certain names, you're not used to it. Yeah. No, I mean, I ran into, I think, like one Jason when I was a kid, and yeah. I was like, whoa, there's another Jason. It's yeah. like two of us. And then yeah. Friday the 13th comes out, yeah. and everybody's oh. like, oh, so the 80s were not, not good pleasant. Work. It was yeah, just sorry. like everybody <laughs> had to, br and then what would happen is you'd be in school, and it'd be Friday the 13th, and your name is Jason. Yep. So everybody right. feels obligated to go, ah, right. ah, yeah. difficult. Friday the 13th, how's your day, Jason? That must have been very formative for you. I didn't care. I like the attention. Uh, so we were talking about our guest about picking a really difficult execution uh, startup. And boy, did he pick one uh, with honor uh, and going into people's homes and being a caregiver. So yeah. how did you approach it? Did you say, let me make something innovative or let me just take over doing this simple thing of providing home care? Yeah. So Is it a marketplace? Do you actually have the caregivers on staff? How do you do it? Yeah, great question. So uh, our gut right off the bat was we could not do just software. We couldn't just hand software to the existing industry because um, it wouldn't solve the problem. And we perceived the problem fundamentally was all the agencies are super tiny. They have like, you know, 30 homes, 40 caregivers, very few agencies ever get above, say, 3 million in revenue. These are home care agencies. These are home care agencies. That Typically are, run by what? Somebody who gave home care and then decided I'll make a business out of this? Very frequent. Yeah. It's very frequently a retiree from one industry. Uh, and then they start kind of like they've seen it, right? Mm. They know it exists. Because look, home care, non-medical home care, where someone goes into people's homes and helps with what are called activities of daily living. So getting out of bed, getting food, getting dressed. It's a $30 billion industry in this country. And it employs 1.5 million people. Wow. So it employs over 1% of the U.S. workforce. Yeah, I was about to say, because right? it's 200 million adults, 330 million Americans, and 150 yep. million Americans are employed. Yep, but so many people don't know it exists, right? right. So what happens is as people get older, right, they kind of hit 40, they experience it, they see that it's not that great, right? They had to call 10 agencies to find an agency that out of their 40 caregivers actually had someone available to suit their parents' needs. Like let's say their parent has dementia, their parent needs help getting out of bed, like transferring into a wheelchair. So lifting and transferring, we call that. And they have cats. It's so like now you need a caregiver for that parent who is not allergic to cats, who knows how to do lifting and transferring, maybe a little bit stronger. Yeah. Right. And dementia trained. Now, you know, oh boy. if you call 10 agencies, maybe two of them, probably one of them actually have an appropriate caregiver. So we just perceived, look, really what you have to do is aggregate it up. Like you need lots of care, pro we call them care pros. So you need lots of for care professional. So you need lots of care professionals that you can draw from so that you know you can best serve the next incremental customer. So mm -hmm. that meant we had to kind of verticalize and own the whole stack, right? We had to employ the care pros. Ah. We had to be able to train the care pros. Uh, we had to be able to route the care pros efficiently. Like, hey, if you're best for that home and you want that home, that's where you should go. Right. So all of these things really led to us being just totally verticalized. And what we did is we started, you know, just simply by building a home care agency kind of by hand in the SF Bay area. 
And what are we seeing here? Is this the uh, training they go through? This is some of the training, yeah. This um, is your training? This is literally our training, yeah, yeah. Or part of it, yeah. Um, so here we go, lifting and... Yeah, this is actually how they get trained on lifting and transferring. Lifting and transferring is really important. We train 100% of the care pros on lifting and transferring because believe it or not, it's an area where they can hurt. You can tell that care pro could hurt her back if she did that the wrong way right. and obviously could hurt the customer. And look at the belt. So yep. there's a belt that the serves belt this function yes. a lot. You use also, you don't have to grab the person's body. It's a yeah. little more dignity maybe. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure there's a lot of discussion yeah. about dignity here. There's a, there's, it's very important. We'll get into that too. Yeah, it's very important. Um, and so... When you looked at it, you must have had investors saying, just Uber this, just <laughs> be Uber, just yeah. be Airbnb, be the marketplace, two sides. Just you impossible. said, no, I'm going to yeah. hire the caregivers. You can't. So, well, in, in the earliest instantiation of honor, we tried making the caregivers contractors. And it took a 1099. And it took us six months to figure out that wouldn't work. So like from basically mid 15 to late 15, we tried that and just could not, we couldn't deliver the product we wanted to deliver, mm. having them be 1099s. We needed, needed to be able to route people. We needed people to train. Like the biggest thing was mm. train people. Yeah. And also there's this thing about providing paths up to the care pros. So if you think about it, you know, I'm on a podcast with you that's kind of oriented toward technology. And technology is on our backbone, but our product is our people. Like our mm. product is the care pros. Right. There is not a single customer of ours who cares about our technology. Yeah, they, they're not going, tell me about your stack. No, they do not care at all. They only care Mongo about DB, the human. MongoDB, yeah, right. lamp stack. What are you yeah. using on your caching? Right, exactly. Is it Nginx? Yep. It's like, they don't, <laughs> like, it's like, is this how's care pro my great? Mom? Yeah, how's my mom? Does is my, my mom, mom like happy? this person? Yep, yeah. yep. Do they get along? Yeah. Right? So when you recognize your product is actually a human, hmm. And all of the technology you're building is about making a human better. Hmm. It changes the way you approach everything. It's very interesting because if you think about Uber, one of the complaints is, uh, hey, this Uber X driver isn't great. You know, sure. when they put a lot of new drivers in the system, people are like, oh, it's not great. But it was like, but it's six bucks. Yeah. And your wait time was one minute and you got to see the cab coming here on your app. So it was kind of like. And you would deal with maybe the dirty cab or the driver who wasn't perfect on the edges, but I got where I had to go. For like seven minutes. Yeah. You know, like when Honor goes into someone's home, right? On average, we're in a home for it's 38 hours a week. Mm. And so we we can't do the whole like, hey, we're going to experiment on these people and yeah. figure out in the network who's good and bad. Like that pricing. <laughs> right. That does not work. Right. Yeah. We have to figure it out ahead of time. So, so there's just so many different things that you have to do oh. when you recognize that you are going into people's homes, mm. you are helping them live their lives. And it is things like helping them physically get out of bed or physically get food. Mm. If you don't show up, they may not be able to get out of bed and get food. Yeah. Right. It's just a different level of service that you have to build to. So like- The costs are high if you screw up. If you screw it up, it's really high cost on everyone. It's interesting too, in fairness- I think for Uber and Airbnb, that was why a lot of investors declined to invest in those companies because they're like, these people are operating in the real world. Uh -huh. And that's dangerous. Same thing with Elon and SpaceX and Tesla. Like, oh, you're operating in the real world too yeah. hard. But yeah. something changed right around that time period, didn't it? When you yeah. went in there that VCs started to say, you know what? Operating in the real world is hard, but maybe worth it. it hard, but massive. You know, I mean, like- Explain that. That's the thing. So real world- uh, it's what we all do. Like, think about it. Facebook mm. is this amazing platform. People spend three to seven hours a week on it. Honor, people spend 38 hours a week mm. with a human in the home. 
So think about the difference in kind of like, you know, value per customer. Yeah. Right. When you're talking about, you know, the one of the most valuable internet properties, three to seven hours a week mm. versus 38 hours a week. Yes. 10 X. So, yeah. yeah. So when, so when you're in, and maybe more, cause you have a human in the home that's. Oh yeah. No, it's 10 X on hours. And <laughs> yeah. then you think about like the Mark Zuckerberg's not coming to your house and be like, you should like that right. photo. Right. Or, Hey, have you tried so, poking somebody exactly. today? <laughs> so if tech, like, you know, here's the thing, like tech. I think people are right that oftentimes tech, like our industry, you're in yeah. my industry, we spend so much time on stuff that doesn't, that's not super meaningful mm. to people. Yeah. And like home care or transportation. Yeah. Like those are really meaningful to people's everyday lives yeah. in a way that, you know, a lot of other things just aren't. It was a real big mindset change too. And you're part of that whole cohort that did it as founders, which is, hey, you know, there, there's more risk, there's more friction. But to your point, it's harder because it matters. Yeah. And if you do win, the prize is so much bigger. I mean, the prize that Uber, yeah. Airbnb, SpaceX, and Tesla are winning or ultimately will win, we'll see. Yeah. It's a pretty big prize. It's getting to space, yeah. getting people to work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, honor, we actually just want honor to help people with their parents, period. So, like, yeah. so we see home care as this really important space that, you know, that is difficult for people today. Mm. But if we do home care well, we can do so much more yeah. to just help like you care for your parent. And there's a lot of stuff. Like I'll give you an example. When your parent gets old, you will find it's hard to simply get paper towels into your parents' homes. Mm. Right? Like how do you, you order it on Amazon? Well, okay, but that's a big box on the front door. Your mom can't get out of the chair very easily and get the box. And then getting the box cutter and opening it and yeah. then distributing it through the home. Yeah. You're talking about very difficult. Right. So there are just these really things, these things that seem really simple, mm. but they're actually really hard for people. And like, we just need to solve all that, mm. like care for parents. And when you went to your investors and said, we're going to go from 1099 to full time, mm -hmm. was that a battle? Did people go, oh, this breaks the model? Because that is the gig economy became so ingrained in people's thinking that it can only work this way. It can only work as a marketplace. So you already broke the marketplace concept. Now you're breaking the yeah. you know, gig economy concept in the middle of a thriving gig economy. What was that board meeting like? Yeah, that wasn't tough at all, actually. what The only thing they wanted to know is, did we do the real like intellectual work to determine that it was the right move? Mm. I mean, it was super early in our history. And, and you know this, yeah. that you launch something on a theory. And then you have to keep iterating and iterating. And that was really early, right? We'd only been live for six months. And we realized very early on, like, we had to go W2. Mm. Um, and, you know, it let us make the product fundamentally better. And it's like, hey, if you're, if you're doing something where you have a bad product, who cares about, you know, yeah bad margin like if no one wants your product or you don't think your product's good mm. like you, you gotta fix that and then you can work on like other issues right. later yeah <laughs> like, yeah i mean i guess that's the zero to one kind of concept is like hey let's get product market yeah, fit make people addicted to this that's right uh when we get back i'm curious about how you look at that fragmented market if you've gone out and bought any of the small agencies yeah. or do they just and when the person, you know, uh, ages out and they retire, how do you scale this business? And what is the scale of this business when we yeah. get back on This Week in Startups? Skillshare is an online learning community with over 20,000 classes in business, marketing, tech, and design. 
anyone can be creative and apply that to anything, whether it's programming or design, whether you're trying to deepen your skills as a professional or you want to get your side hustle going, Skillshare can keep you learning and thriving. And I use it as a founder myself. And for founders, this is the place you want to go. You need to have these skills. And even if you're going to have somebody on your team doing your growth marketing or help you building out your social media or doing design, you still want to have that basic knowledge yourself so that you can communicate with your team members in their own vertical. Get yourself up to speed. Even if you're just getting up to 60, 70, 80% knowledge, you can do that so quickly on Skillshare and then maybe refine it, get yourself to 90%, even 100% proficiency in things that you don't have to do day to day. But those are the great founders I find. The founders I found who can learn new skills are the ones who go the furthest and Skillshare is going to help you do that. And you can listen to all kinds of different classes, including Albert from Union Square Ventures doing one on how to start a startup, ideas to innovation. Uh, You got Neil from Warby Parker doing how to build a social mission-driven brand. You've got the founders of Away uh, using coaching and questions to grow their business. Founder Institute talking about managing attention. And of course, my pal Gary Vaynerchuk uh, doing social media strategy in a noisy world. So many different classes for you to level up and to refine your game so you can get out there and compete in the startup arena. So join millions of students learning on Skillshare today with a special offer. That's only for our This Week in Startups listeners. You can get two months of Skillshare for just 99, not dollars, cents. You heard me right. Two months, not for $99, for 99 cents. I think you can find 99 cents in the couch you're sitting on right now. Go ahead and get those two months free. Those two months, not free. You got to pay the 99 cents by going to Skillshare.com slash twist. Once again, Skillshare.com slash twist. Skillshare.com slash T-W-I-S-T. Get in there, get those two months, and start getting better at the job of being a founder. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Hey, everybody, welcome back to This Week in Startups. I'm using my NPR voice for no reason. You're listening to KCRW. No, you're not listening to NPR. You're listening to This Week in Startups. I'm your host, Jason Calacanis. This is the show where we cut through the BS, and we get to the reality of building startups, which is hard, brutal, but glorious if you actually figure it out. My guest, today, my guest today is Seth Sternberg. I met him when we were both young pups back in the 2006 or seven yeah, time yeah. period. This was a, over a decade ago. And we were these fresh-faced pups uh, running around Sequoia's offices, building companies. Mebo was yours. Yep. Chat attached to? The web. The web. Yeah. And uh, you wound up selling it to Google. Yep. You did pretty good. You made a little yep. cheddar. Yep. Didn't have to work again. Yep. It's kind of nice. It's good. Yeah. You're in your 30s. Take down 10, 20 milli. It's pretty nice. But, you know, then you got to go do something else. Got to right? go because you got the itch. Got to go do something. Did you ever consider when you take down the the windfall and you're like, hmm, I could go a little move to Kauai and not work again. Did that not, ever go through your mind? Not for a second. Yeah, me neither. I Somebody's like, couldn't. are you retiring when Uber IPOs next year? I'm like, come not on, Not for a man. second. If I retire, what's going to happen? I'm going to be sitting there bouncing right. off the walls at home. Yeah. I'm going to be calling into everybody's podcast. Remember me? I used to do stuff in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then you worked at Google for a bit, taking you down memory lane. You worked on the uh, Google Plus yep. product. Mm-hmm. That, there was just like a, I guess enough time has passed or the, it got shut down. Yeah. So I worked actually specifically in the platform side. So what uh, we did when we got there is uh, I basically like looked around and said, uh, you know, like 
there's a lot of sign in with Facebook everywhere. Mm. There's not a lot of sign in with Google. No. And that would be really valuable for developers. Why have we not done that yet? Um, and the answers I didn't think were great. So actually, I directed the team to start working on making a really great product around sign in with Google. And that's what we actually really focused on. Got it. Um, but Google Plus wound up getting shut down. What did Google get wrong there? If you if you look back on it objectively, uh, did they not stick with it long enough? Did they? Yeah. I think they should have had their own domain name and own branding like they did with YouTube, yeah. Android, Nest, Waymo. So here's the thing about, you know, we were talking earlier about what's execution risk versus market risk. Yeah. Any social product is almost always just market risk. Yeah. And if you're doing it different than what's out there, you just, no matter how much money you throw at it, mm. right? No matter how much execution ex expertise you throw at it, you do not know if people are going to want it, mm. right? And so, you know, I would argue Google, just like a multi-time founder, is probably really well suited to execution risk, mm. but not as well suited to market risk. And it seemed like the product was faster and better at times at certain functions than even Facebook or Twitter. They just didn't, the market didn't coalesce. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it, you just don't know mm. when you're doing a market risk startup. Yeah, that is the market risk of market risks of like, I'm going to create a place where people hang out with right, each other. Right, where people, you know, that's it's actually interesting because I was kind of attracted to, hey, like, I know something that's clear demand. Yeah. Like, let's let people use Google to like easily log into sites. Yeah, that's a layup. That that was, yeah, it's the like as long as you do layups. good execution, yeah. right? Like, that'll be really widely used. So like, I went that way. <laughs> smart move, smart move. But you left after a couple of years, yeah. you got out. Uh, that's always a great feeling. You didn't, did you do the Hooli thing and go hang out on the roof? No, I actually, I you hang out on the roof, Hooli style. <laughs> straight, I went straight from Google Honor. Like, Did you laugh your ass off when you saw that best investor and breeze on the roof? In Silicon Valley? No. Oh, you know, see, I don't watch the show. Oh, okay. On Silicon I Valley, never watch the show. they call the Google Hooli. I see. And there's this kind of joke that like people are working there, but they've uh -huh. been oh, they're just stripped like, of all responsibility. Right. So there's just like 15 people hanging out on the roof every day. I see. <laughs> in folding chairs, playing cards and drinking pina coladas. That, and they're just rest, funny. literally resting, investing literally on the resting, roof. Investing. Yeah. Of this like... Yeah, you know, yeah. Art Deco building. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. That was not my Google experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting place. I was like, it is super disappointed about this Chinese search engine thing. They're like maybe pursuing or yeah. maybe not. It's like the most yeah. anti-Google thing you can imagine. Yeah. What do you think of that yeah. thing? The dragon. Oh man, I could argue that both ways. I honestly could. Yeah. Um, Engagement versus don't participate. No, no yeah. Cause I mean, you know, if, lots of countries are going to do things uh, that we like and that we don't like. Mm. And the question is, is do we participate? Do we not participate? You know, people right now are talking a lot about Saudi Arabia, yeah. rightly so. But then, you know, you say, well, how about China? Yeah. Right? Because if you're talking about Saudi Arabia, we should talk about China too. Absolutely. On a right? human rights continuum. I mean, these are not dissimilar, right? you know, uh, um, Situations. And, and then you can't let lots of, you know, other countries that are friendly countries off the hook, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, are the Banlieu in France a total failure of that, mm. you know, uh, governing system? So so I just think that um, you have to decide if you want to do engagement or disengagement. And yeah. so you can really argue a very compelling argument yeah. on a moral basis yeah. in either direction. Yeah, and the crazy part about Saudi Arabia is everybody had landed on the engagement side. That's right. And it was like, okay, new young leader, 
wants to change the world. That's right. Uh, wants to let movies in, wants to let women drive. Okay, we're going in the right direction. Right. Says everything right, and then right. just does and then, like, insane you know. murder. And, and the thing you have to remember, lots of stuff in Saudi Arabia would not have passed Americans' morality test. Right. Same with, you know, multiple other countries prior yeah. to kind of, you know, one act that yeah. happened. So, you know, kind of the way the masses move around mm. their kind of moral compass. Yeah. It, it doesn't necessarily track with the reality on the ground in these countries. Yeah. And we have to rely on the Amnesty Internationals, the United Nations, the Human Rights Watch to kind of like keep, and the, and the journalists to keep us up to date on what exactly is going on and how do these things measure up. I mean, there's a lot of countries that think we're pretty savage because we have three million, two or three million people incarcerated in this country. It's the oh, highest we could percentage. Make, we could make lots and of- And we have the death penalty. Oh yeah, lots of morality arguments against the United States. Death penalty yeah. is a really easy one, right? Yeah. If you're sitting there in continental Europe, you're looking at America and you're saying, how can they possibly justify the death penalty? Makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. What we're doing to migrants. Good pull. Uh, Same the deal. Border like, separations. Do we, did you I hear mean, about the seven-year-old died? I did. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know all the details of this, but just for the love of God, if you're working in America and you pick up a child, yeah. take care of that child. It's not their fault that they were crossing the border. Yeah. It's not their decision. <laughs> just give them some goddamn water. Yeah. It's very Holy. interesting. I got to tell you, as a care company. Right. Because yes. like fundamentally, like honor is a care company. Right. <laughs> so you can imagine our employees in particular. Yeah. Right. They really can, when they see things that are, you know, kind of human Tragedies. related, human yeah. tragedy. I yeah. mean, like, you know, it's weird. So I get um, I always have gotten throughout my life, like really upset at anything that I see as social injustice. Yeah. So. Like I actually, when we, before we were thinking about doing honor, we were thinking about doing something that would help service labor, like mm. have a more fair existence, basically, like let service labor perform well and that get rewarded for performing well, because I perceived like so much injustice. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Um, yeah. And so, and that actually happens now inside honor because like our care pros yeah. get rewarded for good performance. Like for the first time, I think in this industry, like writ large, we are telling care pros, hey, here's what great performance looks like. Most people never get told that. Right. And then we show them, here's how you're doing. It's right? kind of, I think, been viewed in the world as like, there are nurses and doctors up here. Yep. There's like a cleaning person down here. Yeah. And then somewhere in between and maybe closer to the cleaning person is this attendant. Yep. But really, in fact, they're much closer to the doctor or the nurse. Look. When we when we were launching Honor, when we were when we had the idea, we interviewed a hundred care pros in Phoenix and in Sacramento, not the Bay Area, too weird. Yeah. And the top thing they said is I want to be respected. I am disrespected. Wow. I want to be respected. I am called unskilled to my face. Like literally, they are called. I've heard doctors say this. They're the unskilled labor. Wow. Right? And so that's actually why we came up with the name Care Pro. Mm. Care professional. Because we we're like, they're the product, they are professionals. We're going to treat them like professionals, and it's going to start with what we call them. Yeah. Right? Care professionals. Yeah. Not caregiver. Yeah. They really, it's amazing. Like, they're doing some of the hardest work yeah. uh, that you could do in the world, taking care of somebody. I remember when I was, I worked on an ambulance when I was in my 20s in Brooklyn, and I was just telling this to some, a friend of mine had, their father was sick, and they were dealing with, like, you know, when somebody's dying, and it's, you know, they there's a lot of humanity there. Let's just put it yeah, that way. And like, right. I was like, you know what? 
I carry with me the memories of when I would show up at three in the morning at somebody's house and their parents laying on the ground. Yep. Maybe they've defecated or urinated on themselves. They've, they're having a seizure. There could be blood, vomit. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's a scene like, you know, and people are crying and it's, you know, and you have to, to stay focused in that situation to help. Yep. It really like, the, the humanity is huge because you just think about your own family and you think about it's going to be you someday. That's right. You'll be the person who can't get out of bed. I mean, it, it, we actually deal with these kinds of things frequently. And we think a lot about even what we do for the care pro when they go through that kind of a situation in a home because yeah. it does affect them. Oh, right? yeah, it does. And, and so you know, just like it affected you in your yeah. 20s. Yeah. So... Um, it, it really goes like, it's funny because we say you have to care for the care pro. Right. Right. Because if they're, if you're asking them to care for other people, but they're not cared for, yep. they can't do a good job. Yeah. And it's very easy to become cynical. I remember when I was doing that job and I was working for Bravo, um, volunteering, yep. the, I would see sometimes these old salty pros and they could go either way. Yep. They could be making gallo humor jokes mm-hmm. about yeah, sure. somebody. Yeah who they saw decapitated or some crazy, you know, death that they were on a job and somebody died. Like, and they could say some really inappropriate things to yeah. try to deal with it through humor or whatever. And then I asked her other people who would sit there and hold, you know, yeah. the the daughter's, you know, hand and say, it's going to be okay. And, yep. you know, we're yep. going to do the best we can for your dad. You know, yep. it's like really heavy stuff. Yep. Um, so, Let's talk about the the scope of the business now. How yeah. big is it? How many cities are you operating in? I know you. I know you started. Yeah. In, was it New Mexico? Uh, we started? St- we started in actually Contra Costa County, oh, and okay. then we spread to the whole SF Bay area. Then we did LA, then Dallas. We were these were very intentional. LA was to learn how to do a city that was a flight. Dallas was different state, different regs. Couldn't do it as a day trip time zones. Albuquerque was mm. small city, right? Yeah. Half a million isolated. Um, we just opened Santa Barbara. We just opened Sacramento, uh, Orange wow. County. So we're actually now technically in 600 cities. Wow. Um, and we're pretty, we don't uh, publicly announce kind of a lot of size stuff, but we're like our headquarters staff alone is 250 people now. Whoa. Yes. Yeah, so we're, we're pretty large. That, and so the headquarters staff doesn't include the caregivers. No, 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 no. no that's about, a separate. I'm talking yeah. about the people who build honor and operate honor. Wow. Yeah. There are 250 of those people. So our scale has become pretty large and we had to learn, you know, a lot of hard lessons along the way to get there. But the amount of good that I think we've already done, like for actually the care pros, like in their lives. I mean, our our care pro NPS, mm. you know NPS, sure, Net Promoter right? Score, Net Promoter Score. On a scale of one to ten, how like you you to refer honor to a friend? That's right, and a family member. Hundreds best, negative hundreds the worst, and hundred doesn't exist in the world. Hundred does not exist. Apple is in the sixties, right? Tesla was in the eighties right. or nineties. Yep, as as customers. Yeah, yep. as customers, right? Uh, employees are usually kind of you know twenties and thirties. Yeah, our care pro NPS. Is 71. Wow. It's better right? than an iPhone. And we measure it. It's better than an iPhone. And we measure it every quarter. Yeah. Right. And that's because we care so much about- Is it that you upgraded their salary or you gave them a steady income or is it, it just a, a multitude of things? What are they telling There's a hundred things, but, you know, fundamentally, like one thing we do is we don't assign them work. We say to them, hey, here are customers who we think would be right for you. Mm. Would you want to work for this person? And if they say yes- then we figure out of the people who would want to work for them, 
who sh- who who ends up on that schedule. Right. But you know, if you're a care pro, you have lots of pressures in your own life, mm-hmm. and for someone to say to you, "Hey, you work at this time, or you can't have a job," it's terrible. Yeah. Right. So we literally let them craft their own schedules. Oh, wow. It's it's giving them agency in their own lives. Or here's another one. If you know, when we talked to the care pros early on, they'd get sent into homes blind. They'd have no idea what's behind the door, and they were literally scared. Yeah. Right. Scared. It could be. It could be a giant German. Right. They, Doberman Pinscher or something. Right. German yeah, Shepherd. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Care pro who's scared of dogs goes to a home with big dog. Yeah. So what we do is we give the care pros tools, right, and knowledge, mm. so that they can be really good. Like if I put you, like you're a smart dude, right? Yeah. If I put you in a job that you're not appropriate for, like Oof. you're allergic to cats, I send you to home with cats. Or I even give you a job you are appropriate for, but I send you in blind with no tools. Yeah. You'll probably fail. Yeah. Right. So. A big thing is just like we give the care, but we put them in the right situations and we give them right tools mm. so that they can succeed, right? Set, set them up for success. Let me tell you about Breather. We love Breather. If you like to do the work, as I say in my book, you are going to love Breather offices where you can book not just for a day or a half day, but for a week, month, or even a year for from two to 50 people. There's no wasted spaces. And... If you want to bring your sales team in for a week, you can rent an extra breather and no noisy co-working spaces. You get Wi-Fi cleaning, all furnished. They do all the design consultation and no waiting. You can get into a breather in a day or two. If you take a breather office for a month or more, you will receive free same-day access to the network of over 500 spaces across the U.S., Canada, and London. So think about that. If you get a breather office, you get access to all that same-day network of workspaces. It's ideal for growing companies, uh, and their mission is to empower companies with space that helps them meet their full potential with none of the restrictions that hold them back. No long-term negotiating, no long-term leases, and it's your own culture and your own space. You can scale up and down with no fuss, no muss, as your headcount changes. We've been using breathers all the time for our incubator, and it's going great. Here's a crazy, awesome offer from our friends at Breather. Go to breather.com slash twist and experience Breather for yourself with a free full day booking. Okay, let's get back to this amazing episode. Did you buy a bunch of these like smaller agencies or did you just hire people? And So we don't buy them. We we do partner with them though. Ah. So we will literally work directly with, you know, agencies from kind of like, you know, the low would be like a million dollars in revenue up to, you know, five, $10 million in revenue. And we will literally take over their entire operation and yeah. allow them to focus. Like agency owners love going into the market, finding people who need care and figuring out what kind of that care they need. That's called mm-hmm. care management. Agency owners do not usually love finding care pros, training care pros, screening oh, yeah. care pros, regulatory compliance, billing, accounts receivable. Oh. Like oh, what happens if a care pro at 5 a.m.? has like, you know, wakes up, their daughter's sick. Their daughter has a fever. Yeah. Carepro's going to call and say, I can't go to work. Yeah. Right. Who's going to take care of that person yeah. who needs to take their medicine in two At hours? At 7 a.m., like, you better have someone there or yeah. they can't, like, there can't may get out be of bed. a bag that needs to be changed, right? Yeah, That's hanging off the bed, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, they don't like those situations. Oh, so, wow. so we will literally operate their kind of entire business for them, but they do what focus on what they love, mm. which is going into the community, finding people who need care and figuring out exactly what kind of care they need. They tell us that and then we provide everything else. Interesting. So that's the way we figured out how to work with uh, the industry. And that that's been So they don't feel threatened by it. That was my next question is how does the industry feel about a bunch of like Silicon Valley, you know, right. app building 
you know, Googlers yeah, coming sure. into our industry? Yeah. Were they uh, try to block you or were they deriding you or they just were clueless and didn't even know you were there? Well, early on, we built our own agency from scratch, became the largest in the SF Bay Area, took about a year and a half to get to a $10 million top line. And, you know, we did it. We had to do that because we had to learn what to build to make great product as we scaled because no one had ever scaled home care. Yeah. So we had to just do it ourselves and figure out what to build to make home care great at scale. But then everyone kept coming to us saying, hey, like, can't you give us a software? Can't you give us software? We're like, no, we can't give you our software. It will fail. Like mm. our software, you cannot use our software to run your agency. Yeah. But then we realized, you know what? You don't actually want our software. Like we can help you do the whole thing. Like if we pooled your care pros with, you know, everyone else's care pros yeah. in that market, well, really like we actually look for kind of the top five to 10% in yeah. a given market. So if we take the top five to 10% of agencies in a market and honor operates them. And so now all of their care pros are pooled, mm. right? And you get the benefits of scale, like boom, overnight, they yeah. have much better home care. They get to focus on what they love. And now we're working with the industry, yeah, right? To make them fundamentally better. So they yeah. get all the benefits of our kind of operating capabilities. Sort of like somebody's a chef and they're like, they have to deal with like accounting or you know, they, they just want to make that. the dishes. They That's don't want right. to like have to deal with the waiters and the busboys. It's not why someone became a chef, right? right someone exactly. did not become a chef to like interview with a ton of line cooks, right? Yeah. And it's the same deal here. Like if you go into home care, you love helping the elderly and you love caring for them. And that's what we allow the industry to do now. And what's next for it? I know you guys have raised like over a hundred million bucks. You did a series C at some point. I don't know when that happened. That was pretty recent. That was like in April or May or something. Yeah. So you're watching this Silicon Valley, unconstrained capital, unconstrained ambition, you know, decade that you and I have been lucky to be part of. Yeah. It's kind of mind blowing. Mind blowing. When we started, like it was not like that in 05. Series A was <laughs> yeah. two million dollars. Yeah. What was the Mebo Series A? Three. Three point five million. We had a yeah. ton of traction, Mine tons of three. users. Yeah. Three and a half million bucks on a twelve million post. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, I had the same deal from Sequoia. Yeah, three right, million, yeah. twelve million posts, twenty five percent for three million. Yep. Yeah, yep. Uh, now it's just like people are coming out of like Y Combinator, it's mind blowing. Like, Uncapped yeah. note, raising ten. Yeah, totally different world. No now. product, <laughs> and you're totally like, uh, okay. Yeah. So, how does a seasoned person like yourself, founder, leverage that? How do you think about? Yeah. it? because you must have people like. Go faster. Here's a hundred million. Here's two hundred million. Yeah. Oh, here's Masayoshi san with the SoftBank yeah. money. And you know, here's TPG and all these other folks coming down and dipping into yeah. this. And maybe they did your last fifty million dollar round. I don't know who yeah. did it, but uh Yeah, so what we did, um, we intentionally stayed kind of only in the SF Bay Area, LA to learn flight. Dallas to learn, you know, state regs, multi-hour flight time zones, and Albuquerque to learn small city for a very long time. Like for two years. Yeah. And everyone kept saying, why don't you expand more cities? And I was like, we don't have the model right yet. Mm. Right? Like why would I, it, the TAM, the total available market in the SF Bay Area is about $350 million. And you're at 10 care. or 20, right. 30 at the yeah, time. Yeah, we're like, you know, 20 or 30 or whatever it is. Like if we can't grow in the SF Bay Area, LA, Dallas, and Albuquerque, what's wrong with us? Right. Right? So why am I going to go to new markets, all this expense, all this risk, hmm. right? Create operational problems, right? That we have to solve if we can't do it really well yet. Like, so the whole strategy was stay in those four. They each had their own lesson they could teach us. Now it is instructive that now we just turned on Santa Barbara. Now we just turned on Sacramento. We just turned on OC. 
we're going to turn on a new state pretty soon. Yeah. Right. So now uh, like honor, we, we've like, we've kind of figured it out. Yep. Right. It is working extraordinarily well. Our quality graphs have gotten so much better. What's a quality graph? Uh, we look at quality in a lot of ways. Um, one of them is the call off rate. So how likely is a care pro to call and say, hey, I'm not going to the appointment 24 hours less before an appointment. Because oh. that that indicates- So like, you call if, it quality graph. These are things these you've are, identified as the founder and your team yep. that are indicative of the quality of, of the, the product. Of the quality that we serve. So I'll give you, That's this is a real example. So you know, a year and a half ago, that graph was 4.5% of the time a care pro would call and say, hey, sorry, I'm not going. Over the course of a year, we tripled inside eight-digit revenue. Okay, so like a lot of growth in that year. And it goes from four and a half to 1.2. Wow. And this is a highly operational business. So 70, yeah, whatever, 60, 70% less. Yeah. So Honor got dramatically better, right? Quality got dramatically better. But you could only do that if you identified it and you measured it. It was so, yeah, identified it, measured it. And there are like 200 things that went into moving. Then actually, importantly, that graph moved across all the four geos. Hmm. It moved in Texas in tandem with California in tandem with, you know, New Mexico. How did you, what was the number one thing? Did you, was it punishment, reward, you know, no, the, awareness of the impact of it? I, I would say there were two things that were really, if we met a totally out. Yeah. One is machine learning. Huh. Um, you know, we provide a human service. Humans are heterogeneous. They do not lend themselves to hard algorithms. They mm. lend themselves to, hey, you're this kind of person. That person's that kind of person. Fascinating. We tipped into enough data that we could actually run honor on machine learning. Mm. And that was thing number one. Thing number two was taking the machine learning and turning it into basically for the care pros, here's what's expected. Like, here's what we want you to do. And here is how you're doing, hmm. right? And so they could really visibly see, right? Like, here's what I should yeah. do. And that has all sorts of dividends. Because when you put someone in a position where you say, hey, go do this, but they have no idea what success looks like, hmm. how can you expect them to do a good job? So if you can tell them, listen, you're in the top 10% of the class in terms yeah. of your performance. And you get or, rewarded for it. You get rewarded for it. Or, yeah. you know, you the average cancellation is one per year and you're at three. Yeah. And so you're on track to be right. in the, And that's not a good place to be. And that's yeah. not a good place But to we be. should work with you to try to move you up. And why is that? Right? Yeah. Like, that is super powerful. So those are, like, there's a lot of stuff in there, right? Like, yeah. like I said, if you do a better job matching someone into a job where they're going to like the job, mm. they're less likely to call off. Something right. is still, or here's a great one. ML, machine learning, told us, turns out, that in every geography, it has its number of miles a care pro will drive from you know where they live to where work is. And for every extra that number of miles, you double their likelihood of churn. I was about to say that's because commuting equals death. Big deal. Yeah. Right. Commute equals death. Care pros don't want to commute. So we learned like, hey, in the SF Bay Area, for every 18 miles, a care pro doubles their likelihood of churn in the first four weeks. Churn as in they quit. As they quit. Yeah. Wow. So we so learned don't like, send them up to yeah. Novato or like let's try really yeah, really hard to limit drive times. Yeah, right. Let's try really hard to give care pros what they really want. It's fascinating that you pick that up because and it really is like if you study the data and you have a little humility about it and mm -hmm. like, I it's amazing with young startups they're not recording their data. Oh, yeah. they haven't even set up the infrastructure to do so. I'm like, by the yeah. way, when you get into these like 
serious decisions, yeah. you're going to be making them yeah. in a thunderstorm. Yeah. You better learn how the instruments work. Would you get up at 30,000 feet and have no instrument panel? Uh, as a pilot, it? I can tell you that would be really bad. <laughs> You're a pilot? I am a pilot. I didn't know that. that how long have you been flying? Very bad. Uh, since I was 16. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Yeah. So you're instrument rated, obviously. I'm instrument rated. You yeah. rated for jets or just uh, not jets? Props. No, just what do you props. like? The Pilatus. What do you yeah. like? You're a serious guy. What no, just Cirruses. Cirrus. Yeah. Nice oh. and simple. Yeah. With that nice glass. Cirruses uh, are great airplanes. That great glass avionics in yep. the front. Oof! Yep. I've been in that plane a bunch yep. of times, and that's got the parachute. Yep. It's it's a great. You've airplane. never deployed the parachute. Oh, I've never deployed. No. I mean, when they call. There's it, only done that a dozen times, right? Uh, no, it's been used like forty or fifty times now. It's wow. called the transfer of ownership handle because when you pull that parachute. The insurance company owns it, right? The, right. the plane's dead. Like you just, yeah, no. You, when it you, lands, it will break it, in half. It uh, it won't break in half. Um, the landing the gear will actually crumple up. They yep. they're like a shock absorber. Yep. So they'll crumple up into the body of the airplane. Yeah. Um, you have to pull this up. Uh, Emmy Award winning producer Jackie, pull up the video of a serious uh, serious parachute deployment. parachute deployment. It's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing because there was a guy who lost his engine. Oh, they, oh, they say and lives. he pulled it and. Oh, yeah. Uh, they had another plane in the air talking to him because hmm. I guess he called in the May Day and there happened to be another plane in the area. Yeah, and it might have been a military plane, I think, because it was looked like it had the military like hash marks yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And they watched the plane go down into the ocean yeah. and they have it on tape. Yeah. It's amazing to watch. Yeah. And that technology doesn't exist on jets yet. No. Uh, the Cirrus jet, which I think they're just releasing, actually yeah. does have it. It does have it as well? Yeah, they've put it wow. on. So it's a single engine jet, so it's lighter weight. Yeah. Um, but, I love those VLJs. Yeah, oh. but but to your point- um, Going up without instruments, not a yeah, good idea. Not a good idea. So data, like we recorded- Here it, it. is. There you this go. is the exact a, what I'm talking yeah, about. Look go. at this. This guy pulled the plane. He yeah. was going to a- I think this might have been an Aruba or something like that. Yeah. Um, and see, because it's got all the hash marks on it. This was like the yep. uh, helicopter or like some military plane. And look, boop, yep. right into the ocean. He's got the door open already yep. on the way oh, yeah, down. Because he that knows that that plane is going to sink fast. That's right. These planes, That's right. Uh, you got about, what, two, three minutes before it goes under? Uh, I, I don't know how long it would really take it. Yeah. Um, pretty quick in, in waves, pretty quick, as you yeah. can see, because the waves will go right yeah, in and wave down. Yeah, you see what's happening yeah. now is, too, because the uh, parachute is still in the air, he's getting pulled at a pretty yep. good clip. But yep. this guy's, uh, what do they call it when you jump out of a boat? When you? Uh... Oh, die, I don't know. Die. No, there's a the thing when you uh, abandon ship. Oh, anyway, he's abandoning ship. He's There's abandoning. a technical. Look at flipping. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Look at that. Now it's going to go straight down. This yeah. guy just barely got out, but yeah. he's alive. There he is. He's alive. They got him. Yeah. Wow. I love that Cirrus plane. I've been on that. My friend of mine had one, uh, and it's yes. a great plane. So I mean, you it's can get to plane. how you can put oxygen on and go what? Like yeah, fifteen thousand. You can go up to twenty five. Twenty five with, with an oxygen mask. You got to wear oxygen. Twenty five thousand. You, you don't do that. Oxygen. Oh, I've done that many. You've times. done it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It goes faster up there, but you got to wear oxygen. Not good for kids. Right? No, you scary. Like stay, to put it in the stay below ten thousand. Yeah, yeah feet. Um, yeah, but no. You data. fly the co-pilot or you fly solo? Solo. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've wow. been doing it a long time. A long time. <laughs> like a yeah, really 30, 20, time. 30 years. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, and you were sixteen when you got I was into 16 it. How did you want to do that? Did your dad say like, uh, "Go do know, this"? Your yeah, mom? It was really or? funny. My parents were not pilots, but. Um, you just decided and unilaterally at 15 or 16, you're going to start flying? I forget what happened exactly, but like I was really into planes. My father was like, you know, if you want to take lessons, 
And it was wow. cheap back then. Like yeah, back then, fifty bucks. It was, yeah, pretty cheap. Hundred bucks. It was like thirty-five bucks an hour in Connecticut, yeah. in Central Connecticut. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, now it's really pretty expensive. Yeah. Times change. A lot of my friends are getting this Pilatus. You know the the Pilatus is pretty good. Yeah. Not that fast. Pretty good for going to Tahoe. Great for going to Tahoe. Great for going to LA. Whatever. Yeah. The Cirrus is a little faster. Yeah. Uh, no, Cirrus a little slower. A little slower. Uh, yeah. But the Pilatus carries a lot of weight and it can do snow. It can do snow real good. Yeah. And it's super safe. Uh, It's a pretty safe airplane. Yeah. Not perfectly safe like anything, but it's a pretty safe airplane. Is there a safer turboprop than that? Uh, I don't know what the statistics say. Yeah. Yeah. There's arguments on if the Plotus is a single engine. Right. Yeah. So if you're rated on a two engine. Which is easy to get. Which is easy to get. But most people are not good when an engine fails. Correct. Twins may actually be more dangerous for average pilots. Professional pilots, twins are probably safer. Right. Twins that because automatically fade their engine props. So if it automatically um, adjusts the prop to turn into the wind when Got an it. engine fails, that's pretty safe. But where it's Because you don't spin the plane out. You don't spin the plane out. Yeah. Exactly. Where a twin is bad is if it doesn't automatically adjust its engine for that failure, the pilot can actually immediately put the airplane into a spin and then it's over. Yeah, it's over. It's over. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's tough. And, it, you know, a, a single engine failure in a twin within like 300 or 400 feet of departure is a really difficult situation to handle same high torque on the plane it's not going very fast it's using all of its power you lose one of the two engines when you're kind of just taking off yeah not a good not not, a good situation not easy and in a single engine you lose the engine on the way up well also not good you're a glider you're a glider you're a glider and you're a glider and you're 500 feet in the air. You probably won't spin, but yeah, you're a glider, you're 500 feet in the air. And even in a Cirrus, at 500 feet, you can probably pull a chute, but um, I think it's rated to 800. You have to, you theoretically need to be 800. Right. You yeah. might break your fall. Yeah. As opposed it, to there step ha- out of it like this guy did. There have been pulls at 500 that really? have been successful, actually, yeah. <gasps> yeah. So somebody was taking off and pulled it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's happened. Wow. Absolutely, yeah. That yeah. to me is extraordinary. You're <laughs> no, like it's two like minutes amazing into technology. the flight, yeah, and you hit that thing. Yeah. I'm obsessed with uh, my friends <laughs> who fly because you want to hear a crazy story. I'm in LA in Santa Monica when we met when you were on the show back in the day. Yeah, and uh, this kid comes and he's I'm uh, he's like oh yeah no I'm invest I'm an angel investor oh yeah so I said tell me more I said oh yeah I'm angel investing this guy from Skype's money. Uh-huh. Scott, one of the Skype guys gave okay. him some money to Angel Invest in America. Sure. I said, oh, that's great. He goes, oh. He's like, oh, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, oh, I'm going to be here or whatever. He's like, oh, you're going to this party? I'm like, no, I'm not going to that party. So, okay, yeah, I'm going to go to that party. Um, I'm going flying uh-huh. at a Santa Monica airport in sure. these like stunt planes. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, don't do that. You're going to die. <laughs> like, it's really fucking dangerous. Yeah. Don't do that. And he does it with another uh, internet entrepreneur yep. who he had met. Yep. I kid you not, Seth. The next day, I open up the paper or I turn no the news, way. and the plane nosedive and killed him and the person. Ugh. And 48 hours earlier, I told him, don't do it. You're going to die. Oh. I felt like a jerk. Or, I, I mean, st- who's going in? Have you gone in these stunt planes? I have been in a P-51 Mustang, which is a yeah. World War II plane. Yeah. Um, that's I a have, stunt plane. <laughs> yeah, that's a stunt plane. I've not it's all been, engine, right? I it, mean, it's just a giant it's engine. It's just a giant engine. Yeah, um, I know that plane. And I've not been in any other stuff. Did you do any loop-de-loos? Uh, yeah, I was not the pilot. <laughs> did they loop-de-loot it? Um, they, they did- um, Barrel rolls? I forget what it- I don't know. I don't, I'm not a stunt pilot. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> we well, now you have stuff. kids, man. Once you got kids, you can't be yeah. doing this kind well, of- Well, no, here's the thing. We were getting in the plane. 
and the pilot puts his uh, parachute on and he gives me a parachute to put on. He's like, here, wear the parachute because you wear them when you fly that plane. And we're getting in the plane and he didn't tell me how to use the parachute. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait. You have to tell me how to use the parachute because if you have a parachute and you know how to use it and I have a parachute and I don't know how to use it, yeah. that is not a good parallel situation. And he's like, you see this, <laughs> see this string here? Pull it. Yeah, he's like, pull that big metal lever thing. Okay. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's the sum yeah, total. But like, you also have to get this... the canopy off, right? That thing has yeah, a canopy. Yeah, the canopy has to come off. So yeah. he's got, you can both probably spring the canopy. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I, I wasn't touching anything. I was just... Uh, so you're speeding up now, going yep. a little faster at the yep. company. Yep. We're going... Yep. Uh, and is fast. there going to be like a wider offering? Um, so, or you know, do you think you have enough here? We, there, this is a $30 billion market. If we had, if we were... like, If you could snap our fingers and we just had bare minimum nationwide coverage tomorrow, hmm. we'd be at a billion dollar plus top line. Crazy. Right? I mean, that's how big this market is. So we just have to like do 30X, a good job, yeah. like... Just push you execution. Know, get it's it's pure execution. You know, it's funny. A lot of people ask me how can we help, and I'm like, look, it's on us. Like, we just got to <laughs> execute. Like, <laughs> yeah. our team just has to do a great job spreading home care throughout the country. Keep quality high. Like the the thing that slows us down is quality. Mm. Anytime quality dips at all, we we literally put the brakes on. Figure out why quality is dipping. Right. Fix what are they, what whatever are these the problem cost? is. What does it cost to have a pro? It depends on the geography. Kind yeah. of the min would be something like $21 an hour. Um, and the max might be like 32, 33 an hour. It just depends. Uh, in a place like, like San Francisco, Francisco is like f- probably 33 or 34 because yeah. lots of taxes, you know, more regulation that drives taxes, yep. that, you know, drives cost. So here it's a lot more expensive, whereas somewhere like Albuquerque, it could be as low as 21 because, you know, the, just the cost to deliver care is cheaper. Yeah. Uh, more caregivers. A lot of them are immigrants or? Um, you know, there's a lot of immigrants. Is, yeah. There's um, a lot so, of people of color. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, it's very female, uh, the workforce. Uh-huh. Actually, men are in hot demand in home care. Really? Oh, you know, if you're a guy and you want to go into home care. Get paid more? Uh, you don't get paid more, <laughs> um, but you are in hot demand. The reason you're in hot demand is there are a bunch of men who need home care who would prefer that a ah. male like give them a bath. Right. right. And but the thing is, there are just not enough men who are. I was also thinking pros. for lifting, like if you had somebody who happened to be big. Yeah. Because men are typically on average, whatever, 20, 30 percent larger than women. Yeah. And you solve that kind of stuff with things called like Hoyer lifts and yeah. gate belts like you saw yeah. there. So there so there are ways other to tools, yeah. yeah other tools. But it, it is true that you have to be careful and not put someone who would be like could potentially be physically harmed in mm-hmm. a house where they might have to do some pretty heavy duty lifting. You said before it's better to stay in the home or that people want to stay in the home. Is it better for them to stay in the home? Do you think at some point you'll look at this and say, you know what, we're so good at home care. Yeah. We should make a a home where people could send their parents and take the same approach you took, professionalizing and doing that in the um, care space when uh, people live. So we kind of do that today already, actually. So what we already do do is let's say someone's already in like an independent living facility or even assisted living facility. We serve people there, right? Because that's now their home. Um, usually we're in private homes, mm. uh, but there are even cases where we're in skilled nursing facilities. So ah. you'll have someone who just had a hip replaced, a knee replaced. Yeah. They're in a skilled nursing facility recovering, right? Mm. Nursing home is what people colloquially call them. 
Um, and our care pros will be in there helping out because the facility doesn't have enough staff and can't sure. like really take care of that person well enough. And what so about building the help. buildings and stuff like that? You're a I don't, I don't, Yeah, building the buildings, I don't know if we're going to get into. Yeah, or renting the buildings and creating a new product there? Possible. I mean, yeah. I just want to, you know, there's just so much low-hanging fruit mm. on just like, we have to fix home care. Yeah. So, so one of the things about, you know, multi-time entrepreneurs, you know this, yeah. you learn the value of focus. Oh, man. And so like, we just have to build home care, right? We have to get a nationwide network. Make a make it so that home care in Boston and Peoria and Albuquerque is the same, right? <laughs> same quality. Yes, your frappuccino is right? the same wherever you Every, buy it. Wherever you go, Tokyo, Shanghai, and, and it has to be very high quality with data. The yep. data is super important, right? Because then we can help keep people healthier. Mm. Like, yeah, that's that's what we have to do first. That's going to take us a while. How do you deal with loneliness? Uh, it feels like that's like a big part of the problem in it, mental health it and is. loneliness. And it's a big part of the kind of care posts are actually a big part of the loneliness solution. Mm -hmm. So lots of customers actually very specifically like form relationships and bonds with their care posts. Their care posts are like if someone passes away, their care posts often are invited by the family to the funeral. To the funeral. Yeah. yeah the big because part they've of really it. become like a part of that person's life. So home care actually helps with loneliness. We have some other ideas and kind of other yeah. cool, you know, ways we could help address it. It's called, you know, people call it social isolation. Right? Social so what, isolation. Yeah, so what you're trying to combat is social isolation. Yeah, not leaving your home. If you're in like a cold weather place, you're that's in your right. home and for you just get how many your months? Home. Yeah. That might be right. like not going out at all. Yeah. This is where I think like there's a huge opportunity around loneliness. Yeah, I think loneliness is a, it's a huge factor. Yeah. I wonder how even long once you're, so even someone who lives in California, no snow. Yeah. But they're bed bound. Yeah. Right? Very lonely. Very lonely. Right? Yeah. So how you solve for that problem is is very important. So wondering how long we're going to live. Uh, yeah, that there is that issue too. Like we're starting to... It's like... Well, that's why people over the age of 80 are going to triple where people over the age of 65 are doubling. Right? So in the next 25 right. years, over 65 is double, over 80 is triple. So people are living much longer. Yeah. And the for every age you kind of go up, you know, if we talked about the 90-year-olds, it's probably quadruple or quintuple. Yeah. Right? So you can see it in the stats. It's crazy. And then I was in Japan in September and it was just like their population is getting so old yeah. and nobody's having kids. And I had yeah. two separate conversations. And in both cases, they were like, yeah, I'm just not sure about why, what the argument is to bring kids into a world that's this broken and i thought it was oh, wow, just so really? sad like two wow. different japanese people wow. were like well the environment's so terrible and wow you know the world is on the brink of huh. all these problems and they just like it's almost like this pessimism to bring huh. like is it moral or ethical to bring to a bring human a into kid. this existence which that discussion's existed for a long time in yeah. philosophy circles yeah if you know humans deal with suffering and death and pain yeah. as part of their life but we're talking about like a whole society being like not uh, in decline. Yeah. Jap and they're rich. Yeah. They're very wealthy in Japan. Yeah. You know, this is why I really hope more entrepreneurs focus on these world problem yeah. startups, right? Like, you know, Sami at Verda, Sean at Omada, Adrian at Forward. I mean, like you've got this set of entrepreneurs that are now focusing on kind of world problem. Mm. I want to try to fix it. And I really think like, I don't, th I think we can all agree for the most part, we cannot rely on the current state of government to fix a lot of these problems. And no, right? I mean, it was it, if you asked me four years ago, yeah, I'd be like, more yeah, optimistic. A mix of a mix of public 
Yeah, you know, a, mi- a mix of government and private sector sounds like the yeah. right mix. Now I'm just like, you know yeah. what? I'm not. So I'm not waiting. Like private I don't want to wait around. Like we have to go figure out how to solve our own problems. Like as a society, as a people, we have to go solve our own problems, and we have to do it the right way. Like yeah. you know, like core to, and this is really important to me. Like core to honor from the beginning was the theory of care for the care pro, hmm. right? And I think that's how you build a better product. Right. So when I say the right way, you have to think, you know, when you talk to someone who is a policymaker who's in government, if they're good, they're thinking about everyone. Mm. Right. It's like, how does this apply to the person who's shining people's shoes in the airport? How does it apply to the waitress? How does it apply to the business exec? Everyone, because mm. their policies touch everyone. And I think if you're doing kind of world changing startups, you have to learn to think in the same way, because mm. I, I don't think our industry does a great job on that. Right. No. Yeah, you got to start thinking. We, we we think about the tech elite user yeah. types too much. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it comes from the technological adoption cycle yep. going from early adopters to laggards. That's right. And so the natural playbook is, okay, if not everybody's into the Palm Pilot and, you know, they're not into their Nokia smartphone or their danger, don't worry Eventually, They'll everybody will have a smartphone, you yeah. know, and you just win the top 10%, top 20%, everything will yeah. work itself out. Yeah. It, that doesn't work in a lot of other areas, certainly not in like, yeah. I'm going to go to the most tech savvy, you know, caregivers. It's like, no, no, that's no. So, not what it's about. So here's, this is probably the number one thing I learned at Google. Mm. Um, Larry kept saying when I was there, the technology should fade into the background. Mm-hmm. And when I started thinking about, you know, home care and tech enabled home care, a lot of investors said to me, like Seth, you know, tech, the elderly, are you kidding? Yeah. And what I realized from having listened to Larry so much, say that again and again, because he said it again and again, I was like, hey, cars, like, can you, Mr. Investor, go build me a car? Yeah. And th- and they'd be like, no. I was like, yeah, because you're not Elon Musk. So like, you yeah. can't do it because a car is tech. How many elderly people do you know who drive cars? Yeah. And they'd be like, too many. Yeah. Like, cool. Okay. okay. So the elderly use tech. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like tech. It feels like a service. And, and by the way, like we're getting old. If anybody yeah. didn't notice, like, <laughs> yeah. we're in our forties. Like I have more gray hair than you do. I know. Yeah, yeah, my my be... jeans are clearly not as good as yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You look like you're in pretty good shape, though. I mean, you you lost a lot of weight. Oh yeah. From the beginning of Mevo to now, I've lost a lot of weight. And I, I did what, like, like sixty pounds. Uh, 50? Nah, 30 pounds. I biked 40 miles this morning. I'm mean, like, you know, I, I know you're I, into this I biking bike. thing. I bike. That's how I, I, that's the only thing I do. You're obsessed I with bike. that too, aren't you? I do three things in life. I do my family. I do honor. And I do bikes. That's, that is road bikes. You're into road, like fast up and down the roads. Fast. I like climbing mountains. I basically really? just like climbing Mount, Mount Tam, Mount Diablo, Mount Hamilton, San Bruno Mountain, like give me a mountain, uh, Haleakala in Maui when I was yeah. there. I was in Maui for like three days. You just like, like the climb. I like the climb. I like climbing mountains. That's it. That's it. That's and that's like honor. Huge. Yeah, it is. It's true. What a metaphor. <laughs> You've summed up this episode. Episode 897 or whatever the F we're at. That's about right. Climbing mountains that's with about right. Seth Sternberg. All right, Seth. You've said it all. Uh, continued success. I've always respected you deeply as a founder, and uh, it's just great to see you taking on something so important to society, uh, especially during this whole like 
anti-tech. Yeah. <laughs> tech has no morals. It's like, mm, we're, trying one to give company. It, we're trying to give it a moral compass. There's yeah. one company that has no moral compass that I can think of. I don't know about the rest of the companies, but there's one that's seriously challenged. Yeah. It is not Honor and it is not Google. It happens yeah. to be another one. All yeah. right. Uh, thanks for coming on the program. If you are a developer or somebody who loves uh, caregiving and working on something meaningful, oh, come I know us, you please. are hiring. We are hiring like crazy. Like if you want to work on like change the world, Mm. For care pros, there are 1.5 million of them mm. for the elderly, for their kids. Yeah. Right. And now for home care agency owners, like small business owners, because we help them, right? When yeah. we take it, like we really change their lives. Like come to honor. Like, but That's it's it. mission driven. Like it's a totally mission driven place. Is it a hard driving organization or do you have this like, you know, uh, methodical pace or are you it's, like burning the midnight oil? It's actually place? very hard driving. Uh-huh. Um, we don't do burn the midnight oil Got in it. the traditional startup way, but it is very hard driving. Um, and the in terms reason, of results. Well, results and also like, you know, people push hard and mm. people may not be in the office, but they're, you know, they're yeah. doing stuff. Yeah. Um, we don't have a, you must be in the office until like, you know, midnight culture. Yeah. None of that like Zuckerberg but locked down the building. Here's the reason why we're hard driving. It's for a social good. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not hard driving for money. Right. The right? money will happen. It'll, it'll happen if we do the social good. That's yeah. the benefit of having yeah. like done a business that's a mission driven business, right? Right. But you can, you everyone feels good about hard driving because if they drive hard, they affect lives. Yeah. Can you imagine you're like hard driving to make 0.007% more people click on a pizza right. on gate an crazy anti Hillary yeah. whatever ad at Facebook? Right. It's like, ugh. It's just different. Like, that's what I'm spending my life. Can you imagine you? Moved to the Bay Area, you went to Stanford or MIT, you got your master's or whatever, and yeah. they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to trick people into clicking on these ads just point oh oh seven more. If you could just make the ad button a little bit smaller and yeah. grayed out another shade of gray. And yeah, like, so I can't do that stuff anymore. Oh, God. Like, so, so if you, like, seriously, because we need to hire like, great no, people. No, sir, okay. So, like, if you're listening. If you're listening and, you and you're at Facebook. To, like, destroying your soul if trying to change the world to get putin to cause chaos this is a message from jason calacanis to people at facebook working on the ad network trying to let despots control our country leave quit and join honor all right that's it awesome uh we'll see you next time good to see you good to see you pal all right we'll see you next time bye-bye 